I trust you've had a good week. Um, some of us have had quite a challenging week, but um, still it's a good week because Jesus is with us. And uh, I trust that today the Word of God is going to change your mind, but also do something in the, on the inside of your heart. Because the Word of God, not, when it's spoken, it doesn't just carry information, it carries divine life. It carries the very life of God. The Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful. Therefore, when we hear the word, we hear it in a completely different way to a conversation we might be having with somebody else because we're actually hearing God speak to us through his word. So I'm going to pray that the entrance of God's word will bring you life, energy, direction, purpose, but also joy. So Lord, all those things, I don't need to repeat them because you heard. I pray, Lord, let that be accomplished in all of our lives today. I want to thank you that you're leading your church in a triumphant way. So we're not being led to defeat, but you're leading us in triumph, in victory. Thank you that Jesus won the victory for all of us on the cross. And that through faith in him, we can see that victory outworked in our everyday lives. So let it be to us according to your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin um, a story from the Bible, and this story has a beginning, like any good story, has a beginning and a middle and an end. And actually, it's really important you see there's not just a beginning or not just the middle and not just the end, because I think sometimes a lot of people focus on the middle, but there's an end to the story. And we're going to begin in the beginning with uh, the end of a day that Jesus had spent teaching with his disciples, multitudes of people. And in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, it says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now you can imagine, like your experience after a, a, lo a long day at work or doing what you do, after the day is over, you don't really want a trip across a lake at night. It's not what you'd put on order. You would rather go home, have an iced tea and put your feet up because of the demands of your day. But Jesus didn't do that. And he got his 12 disciples in the boat. Now, just think about who's in the boat. Jesus, but also the future church. Because they were the first ones. And because of what they lived and did, we're here. They carried on the ministry of Jesus and the gospel. And they spread the gospel. And actually the gospel came to us. Because somebody left where they were to go somewhere. Now, where were they going? In Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gadarenes. Now, this place was a place that was filled with Gentiles. And Jews didn't usually associate with Gentiles. And Jesus, with those who knew him, 
had gone to a place and decided this is where they were going to people who didn't know Jesus. So the beginning of the story says, let's go. And when they arrive, they arrive in new territory where those in that territory don't know Jesus yet. It's really important to see that the end of the story is the reason why Jesus left where he was and brought the 12 alongside. Now it says in Mark chapter 5, and I'm not going to major on it, but there came, as soon as he stepped onto the shore, there came to him a man who was so wild, superhumanly strong, crazy, naked, and scary. It would have been a fearful encounter for the disciples to see a person like that show up as a result of your being willing to go where Jesus said to go. And this man must have been so significant to Jesus that he made the night trip. This man who had been isolated from human company because he had very dangerous qualities. Today, they probably put him in a mental institution. But aren't you glad that Jesus has healing for such people? Because what actually happened to this man is that as he approached Jesus, he fell on his knees and started to talk on a level the disciples couldn't really get. They couldn't understand the conversation because it was like this man knew Jesus, even if Jesus had never gone before. And it's really important that we recognize that there are evil spirits speaking through this man because Jesus identified that this man needed to be free from demons. Not mentally ill and disturbed. He needed to be free from evil spirits. And by the way, those demons didn't finish when Jesus rose again. He just won the victory over those demons and he gave the keys to the church to take authority over evil spirits. So they're still around today, not just in Africa or in Costa Rica, but in lovely Somerset, in this country. And Jesus had heard this man speak, but recognized it was the devil speaking through this man. The disciples thought, really don't get it this time. What's this man talking about? And Jesus just commanded with authority the evil spirit. Actually, there were a legion in there, 6,000. He didn't have to issue 6,000 commands. Just the one. 
one command from Jesus will set someone free from the devil. And the result of this command was that the man was completely changed. And the reign of his peace actually became his experience. A man who had no hope, no future, and a torment that none of us, I wouldn't think, have ever really experienced. Where you self-harm, you cut yourself day and night just to relieve the pain that's going on on the inside of your heart and mind. And Jesus identified demons were doing this. But he evicted every demonic power to liberate one captive and set them free. I'm not going to really go into the story now, but this man pleaded to go with Jesus because the town came out to see what had happened because, well, stupidly, the devil had asked, can I go in the pigs? Because demons always need a house to live in, human or animal. Demons are always looking for a house. That's why we've got to keep the door closed, guys. He's always looking for a house. But if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Just keep the door closed because he's out. But this crowd came and said, we're scared of you, Jesus. And fear dominated this region. They didn't want Jesus who had set one man free. So he said to the man, they don't want me yet. And I love this because I believe he had a vision for that whole territory. By winning one person and saying, no, go home and tell everybody what great things God's done for you. Be a witness because there'll come a day where somebody's going to come and tell you about Jesus and they'll be ready to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the power of being a witness where you are. Because one day they will accept Jesus Christ as Lord. So Jesus left that shore to reach that man. But on the way, all hell broke out. Literally, they hit a storm. And it says, as they launched out to get to this one significant person, suddenly a great windstorm came and hit the lake. Now, there are many different kinds of storms. In life. How many of you know there is such a thing as a Jonah storm? Does anybody read the Bible? I trust you all do. You know that Jonah's storm wasn't the same as this storm, the reason for it, because Jonah's storm was a re result of Jonah's disobedience to the will of God for his life. And so Jonah hit a storm because of his disobedience. How of you don't want to be in that kind of storm? Because you'll end up in the drink and in a very stinky place called a whale. And eventually you will realize, I have to repent. The, the result of re his repentance meant he went back to doing God's will. Now these disciples were a people of God's will. They're different to the kind of Jonah disciples. 
who talk a lot about doing God's will, but don't do it. This is, this is an obedient church. Lord, may you find us in this boat, not in the wrong boat, the Jonah kind of boat. And if you're outside God's will, if you need to repent from your sin, God says, confess it. Turn back to him and he will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all righteousness. But still, he'll require you to do his will. So this is a church walking in obedience with his will, not understanding everything. How many of you know when you walk with Jesus, doing what he wants with your life, you don't always know everything. We are an interesting people, really, because we love to know everything. We think that God's a bit like Google. We can just tap in and get all the information all at once. But he doesn't always give us insight as to where we're going and why we're going. But we have the scriptures now that we can actually see the reason why Jesus took his disciples on this journey. It was actually to reach a person. That is where we are going as the church. An obedient walk and journey to reach someone, one person, for Jesus. And I love it. It didn't have to be a big crowd for Jesus to go. And I'm forever grateful that he came to me personally. And he sent some people to cross over from a church meeting and to witness to me because I never went to church. And I received Jesus Christ as a result of their witness and their testimony. But in the middle, all hell breaks out. And it's a big problem. It's not a little problem. Because little problems are far more manageable, aren't they? Than big problems. Like I had a, my exhaust blow on my car. That was a little problem. Because I keep a savings account for car problems. So it wasn't a problem because I'd already saved it. I didn't have to cry out to God in a panic because I had already budgeted for whatever might happen. So I was able to deal with that one. But this was a problem too big for them to handle. I've had those kinds of problems. I don't like those kind of problems. I like the manageable ones. But I don't like the ones that are outside of my control. And this storm suddenly hit so quickly, so suddenly, so dangerously that they were in fear of their lives. My dad taught us when we were growing up in Zimbabwe, he taught us how to sail. He had a little dinghy. And he'd send us off, two of us, with our life jackets on across a lake. And it was quite terrifying to start with because I didn't think we could actually do it. But I remember once it was a bit choppy. That's a sailor's term. It was choppy on that lake. And the choppy water started to come into the boat. But Dad had tied to a piece of string in the back a plastic container 
so you would never lose this container. And one of us was bailing out, and I think that was me. My brother had the easy option of steering. I'm bailing, and he's steering. Now, these disciples would have had something to try and bail out the normal choppy water, but there was no bailing out of this one. This storm that actually had come from their obedience was beyond what they could humanly do. How many of you have ever hit a storm just doing God's will? This time last year, I was in a very different place when I was diagnosed with cancer. I hit a storm that was beyond my control. It was a fear-inducing storm. Some of you might be in a storm in your marriage or something's kicked off with your kids or your health like mine last year. There could be a storm at work. Suddenly, everything was fine, but it no longer is. And there are two things these disciples didn't remember whilst they were in that boat. They didn't remember Jesus said, in other words, he gave them his word. See, that's the Christian's confidence is not just in his presence, but his word. He gave them his word that if they were going to leave here, they weren't going to sink in the middle or just stay in the middle. They were going to the other side. Every promise has an end to it. And that's what you need to keep remembering if you're going through a storm, is that what God says in his word will come to pass. I just need to remember his word in my life. And so we need to call to mind the promises of the word of God that actually Jesus said, so this is how the end's going to be. Amen. We're not a people who just believe God is with us. We have his word, but we also believe that he is with us. Now, Jesus is no longer physically present in your boat of life. Physically, I said. He has placed his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is God. He's not a lesser spirit than he was with Jesus. He is God, the Holy Spirit. And he lives in every born-again believer. So we have two things that actually should keep us free from fear in a storm. Let me tell you, it's enough. A word and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's enough. You don't need more than that. If you have a word that you believe and you have his presence, which is truth, if you don't believe you have his presence, well, you'll sink. It won't work for you. The Christian life won't work. That's why the Christian faith is a believing thing. We believe in who is with us, even if we don't feel it. And we believe his word, even if we haven't yet experienced it. Because God is not a God, not a man who can lie. Every word that he speaks comes to pass. No word will return empty. Now, Jesus 
is woken by the disciples' prayer. And it's a panic kind of prayer. I've done it. Anybody ever prayed in a panic, in a crisis, and you're, you're stressed out, you're anxious, you're not sleeping? It's like other people can sleep, but you can't sleep. You're, you're worried about this situation. It just plagues you day and night. And in a panic, you turn to Jesus and say, help, we're perishing, don't you care? In other words, what are you going to do about this? Don't you care about me? Even the promise that he has loved us and will always love us with an everlasting love is lost in a storm. Lost the truth because when fear comes, worry comes, it actually has a dangerous effect on your faith. It's very dangerous to live afraid. It's very dangerous and not, not the will of God to live as an anxious person. It's very dangerous if you worry and continue to worry about something. You need to tell yourself, this is dangerous. It's not just normal. Christians shouldn't accept worry as the normality of their lives. Worried about my health, worried about my kids, worried about my job, worried about my finances, worried about the future, worried about my marriage, worried about this, worried about that. There are 10,000 things that you can be worried about, some of which I may never know, but then you don't know mine. They were having a panic attack. And all reason and all normal thinking goes out the window when you have one. And the storm on the outside hasn't just come into the boat. The storm on the outside has come into them. The storm on the outside has come into them. We live in the most troubled times. The news, the f fragile nature of government, nations, war... Um, will there be a world war? Will there be another economic crash? What will happen to me if I lose my job? We live in a time of great fear everywhere. But if that fear out there communicates into my journey and where I'm going with Jesus, and then it comes into me, It's not the will of God for me. And unless something is done, I will sink in the middle without reaching the end of the promise. It is a, th a threatening storm. And what you hear today may not be what you're currently in, but it will come if you decide to give your yes to Jesus. Trouble will come. Difficulty will come. And things will get out of your human control. So they woke Jesus. He was sleeping. Because he was sleeping on what God had told him would happen. And that was that they'd get to the other side. And he'd already communicated that. So he was sleeping in faith. They were stressed out with worry. 
he was sleeping in faith and he was exhausted. And he, it says here, he arose after this panic prayer. He got up and he rebuked the wind. First thing he did, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I'd actually almost have liked to have been in the boat just to experience it, wouldn't you? Thinking about it right now, I'm thinking, oh, that'd be awesome. But the awesome bit, the, the, the bit before wasn't. It was awesomely bad, and now it's become awesomely good. What did Jesus do? Well, first things that we have to see is he spoke in a rebuke to the wind. He rebuked. The wind. In other words, he commanded it to leave. So Jesus was saying, there is an invisible reality going on here that is creating a very visible, real problem. There is a demonic power in this wind sent by the devil himself. It's got his thumbprint all over it. It's his identity. Satan comes to, remember the identity? If you want to know the identity of a thing, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. That's his thumbprint. You want to see the print of God in a situation? I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, come on, let's give him a clap offering right now. Thank you, Jesus. God has come into your life to give you life and all its fullness as you walk out in obedience to his mission and command. So he speaks to the wind, this invisible, real thing that you can't see and touch and taste, that you actually can now, in the natural, feel a visible effect of. Sometimes I think, not every sickness, but sometimes I think we deal with the fruit and not the invisible demon behind it. Sometimes I think we're dealing with forgiveness and management of a problem in a marriage. But actually, maybe there is an evil spirit that is creating this problem. Sometimes I think we accept that children have nightmares. But we don't see the invisible, real evil that is sent to rob our children of their peace. And so Jesus is exposing the source of the problem, the source of the storm, the reason, naturally speaking, everything's going wrong, is something, a a presence of an evil. In and around where Jesus was. Not in Jesus. How many of you know if you've got Jesus in you, Satan can't come in? But around you. 
You can have these wind and the waves and the circumstances of your school. You can feel fear because you're intimidated to face one person. So you back off. Always crouching in fear. And Jesus is the greater one in you than the one that's creating the storm. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in your storm. Greater is Jesus in the church than everything that comes against the church of Jesus Christ. I'm in the boat. I'm walking with God. I have power in the name of Jesus. And I can do something about what's behind the problem. Jesus woke up. I reckon there's a little bit of waking up today that's going to happen. Because actually in his waking and dealing with the problem his way, we can wake up to deal with the problem his way. The church at work on a Sunday morning in November. And you know what happened? They did something about something the world could never do. The world has counselling. The world has management sessions. They have anger management. They have strife management. They have marriage counselling. They have kids. You need to be involved with this and they've got this. And it's all because of this. And Jesus wants us to think biblically. So we can get the same results that Jesus got in situations. I'm feeling, I just know this is the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. God is speaking to each one of us. And it's not just about us. It's about ruling where we are so we can rule the storms in other people's lives. Because if you don't win yours, you'll never get there to see one life changed for the glory of Jesus Christ. You'll never see the reign of peace come to his life. Jesus said, he rebuked the storm. He spoke. He did not pray. I know I'm shouting. Some of you might not like me shouting, but I need you to hear. Don't be put off me. He didn't pray. Let me say it quietly for you. He didn't pray. Oh, he didn't fast. Didn't sing. He didn't do anything but speak. Oh. You see, when a king rules, he rules with a word of command. Everything obeys that word. All circumstances, everything works to bring the king's command into being. So he spoke, he rebuked the wind. And I love this, you know. He didn't just leave it there. Because there were still repercussions going on in the circumstances. Those waves kept on rolling into the boat. The source had been shut down. But he decided to speak. He spoke to the circumstances. So we're to speak to the evil spirit and to visible, real, feel, touch, experience, circumstances. Peace. Peace to my child. Peace to their night. 
peace to my marriage, peace at work. Let the peace of God rule in this situation. I speak, peace, be still. And there was a great calm. How do you want that? A great calm came over the whole situation. It obeyed the words of Jesus. Now, Jesus says two things. Why are you and where are you? Where is your faith? Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? So once a why are you behaving in a panic and stressed? The other has says, you've lost something. Now, I'm not saying completely lost, but let me unpack this a bit. Where is your faith? It's a bit like a Monday morning, you're going to work, you've got to drop the kids off at school, and you're in a panic because you've lost your keys. They're in the house, They're around somewhere, but the pressure of the moment, you can't remember where those keys were. You just have to come into a place to find them, don't you? You've got to find the right place where those keys are. So your faith hasn't gone forever. It's just been taken over by the concerning situation you're in. You've lost your peace because you've lost your faith. You see, peace is always connected to what you believe. Fear is always connected to what the devil wants you to believe. And so Jesus wants you to be full of peace. So why are you so afraid? Well, because of the circumstance. You could say to the Lord, like last year, Lord, I've been diagnosed with cancer. I'm supposed to be. He doesn't allow me to actually have my own theology and reduce the truth to my experience. Even though I'm feeling it and he understands the feeling, I've got to rediscover my faith. I've got to come back to believing God in this moment and being filled with peace again. The storm on the outside that has come inside has got to go back to the outside. And so the very first thing that we need to do in any storm, worry, fear, panic, concern, situation, is to restore the peace that comes from faith. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in you, he's not running around that boat panicking with you, by the way. He's the spirit who brings you peace. It's supernatural. Now, Isaiah 26, 3, look at this verse with me. Some of you know it. He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is fixed because he trusts in you. He will keep in perfect peace. Say perfect peace. Who's going to do the keeping? Jesus, perfect peace, whose mind isn't on the trouble, the waves, the storm. It's on Jesus and on what he has promised. 
because you trust. You've got to get back to trust. And Philippians tells us exactly how to get rid of worry, fear, stress, panic. No matter how little or how big it becomes, it says, be anxious for, say it with me, take it as a word from Jesus. Jesus is saying to you, be anxious for, oh, imagine living days like that. Imagine nights like that. Imagine a world like that. He will keep in perfect peace. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pray. Hand it over to the the Lord. And then watch. And don't forget the next verse. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Peace that passes understanding The same peace that Jesus was in before he ruled over the storm. Not after the storm stilled. Before the storm was addressed, a person was operating in peace. Before you can rule in your home, you need right relationships to forgive one another. Oh, pastor, that's really good. <laughs> and also, before you can see a victory, you in your mind and your heart have to come to peace. But God is able, if you do your bit and pray and come to a place of trusting him again yeah. in whatever you're in. Yeah. There was a competition once, two landscape artists... And uh, it's a great story. I think it really illustrates this point. They were asked in this competition to paint a picture of their best view of peace. So what's the best painting you could paint so that I can kind of look at it and say, yeah, that, that's, that's peace. Well, the artists got on with the job because they knew there was a reward of 50,000 pounds at the end of it. So they decided to do their best work. One of them thought about this and they kind of had a picture very similar to one of the lakes in the Lake District. They had this calm, mill pond-like water. The sun was going down and it was reflected and shining on the water. Everything had this ethereal, wonderful peace and it was beautiful. There wasn't a ripple, there wasn't a problem, there was nobody walking along shouting with a dog barking. It was just peace. The other one painted a completely different picture. He painted a lake, interestingly. But that lake was experiencing such a dark background with lightning and thundering. And you could just imagine being there. You could feel the wind, the rain, everything is going wild. And in the corner of this picture, there was a little bird on a rock. And this bird was just singing away, unruffled. And they said, which one... You know, in the competition, which one is going to win? The judges judged, and all of them, without exception, said the one that communicates most about peace is the second one with the bird. 
because they have peace in a storm. And isn't this what Jesus was saying when he said, why are you so afraid? Basically, where's your faith? You need to rediscover what you believe about me, what I'm able to do, and what I've said over your life. And by the way, it won't happen without trusting him and his word. Peace will never be restored without faith. Counseling will never restore your peace. Believing what Jesus says and who he is and how good he's able to be. You see, God's peace is beyond our understanding. And last year, I remember it so well because it's this time last year. I was in a boat and in a storm and literally had no peace. I lost my peace. And I'm certainly not like the, you know, and yet I know what to do in faith. I was singing, but I wasn't singing like this. I was singing like this, praise the Lord. He's got the victory. He's got me. He's got me. It's very different. You can praise in a panic. Or was it only me? Has anybody ever praised him and thanked him in a panic? It's actually not genuine peace, is it? Not genuine faith. But I knew I could, I could receive that in it. And when I had a word from God that spoke of the end of this awful situation, I came to peace. Because I trusted the word. I had no evidence at all of change. That's what faith is. Believing even if you have no evidence of something changing. Hang with me. I know it's a long one, but it's worth it. Peace first before ruling and bringing peace in your circumstances. First, we must restore peace through prayer and trust because stress is not your inheritance. Worry isn't part of God's plan for your life. And you know, sometimes it's just a case of I surrender afresh, Lord. Submission to God. Surrender is the most peacemaking thing to do with your life. When you feel everything's gone out of control, Lord, I surrender to you. I submit my whole mind, my heart, my life to you. It's not what I want, it's what you want. I surrender to your will. I might have got it wrong. I just yield to you. You're able to be my shepherd in this. You know the future. You know where we're going. I can trust you. But also handing it all over to him so that he can hand to you his peace like that bird in the storm. Let the peace of God rule you first. Don't be ruled by what's going on around you. Let the peace of God rule. Now, Jesus has given us something better than being with us in the boat. Sounds like heresy, but it isn't. Because he said, it's better for you if I go away so that I can send my Holy Spirit. How many of you say, how many, just, just say, I'm in better days than the disciples. Because I have Christ in me, the greater one in me than he is in, my, in the world. 
So Jesus now, if we've come to peace, has given us authority in his name. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority. That means the right to exercise power and bring the reign of God into a situation. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Say nothing will harm me. These Christians who rebuke the devil and say, well, I'm expecting something awful to happen because I rebuked him. That's unbelief. Take both sides of the promise here. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. That's the promise. It's a complete promise. You're under the protection of his name. Now, Jesus had to say something and so do we. Not just come to peace. We have to speak. Just as Jesus got up and spoke to the invisible reality of the enemy behind the problem, we have to stand up in the name of Jesus and speak to every demon that is creating the real problem we're in. The Lord is our shepherd teaching us today how to win, isn't he? He's teaching us. You have to speak and rebuke the enemy. James 4, 7, submit to God. Without that, you won't have authority. But submit to God. Surrender your whole life to him. Then resist the devil. And what will happen? He'll flee from you. Resist the devil or it will persist. Say, I'll resist him or it will persist. (laughs) I'll remove it or it won't improve it. If I don't resist it, it will persist. And if I don't remove it, it will continue and not improve. It'll probably get worse. So we've got to take action and come against the enemy and remove the evil hand behind the problem we're facing. Whilst it's all going on. Not before it all changes. I change in the storm come to peace, and then I speak and command things to leave. But then I also release the will of God, which is peace. Be still. I command, I speak to, not just the enemy, I speak to the circumstances I'm in. This isn't prayer again. It's speaking with authority in the name of Jesus. The devil knows what we have. And I trust this morning this has reminded you or given you knowledge of what you actually have in Christ Jesus. Because if you know something, you can change it. And you can alter the journey you're on. You can change something that has been stormy to something that is peace. A problem that is real by addressing an unseen spirit and speaking to the circumstances, peace. Be still. A lot of messages, and it's never wrong to speak just about stilling storms. But what Jesus wants us to know, that the journey that you'll win in 
is for a reason. Satan doesn't want to give up his territory of one life coming to Christ. And so he'll send every storm to try and stop us from fulfilling what God has for us. And I believe we are in days where the spirit is moving. We're seeing more signs and wonders that God is, God is at work. But the mind of Christ, what God wants to say to us is, we're going to reach people, individuals for him. And so we need to rule what we're in so we can bring the reign of peace and the gospel of peace to somebody else. This is God's way of dealing with problems. Thanks be to God. I nearly got, I nearly got C of E there. Thanks, Sean, let's say that. Thanks be to God and mean it. This is God's way of dealing with it. It's not, and this is in the classroom of life. This isn't in a building on a Sunday. It's in the classroom of life. And that's really important you understand that Jesus doesn't just teach us. He does the word of God in this setting, but it's in the classroom of life. You will need to know what you know today so that you can win tomorrow and in your future. Praise God. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. I, I just want to thank you, Jesus. You showed us that we can be at peace when everything is in such a dark place where trouble seems to just go crazy around us, where uh, emotionally things can feel like they're falling apart, or relationally or financially. Thank you, Lord, that you want to restore peace the peace that passes understanding to every single person listening this morning. And Lord, you've shown us in your word how to. By casting our cares on you and trusting you with those issues. And you tell us not to be anxious about anything. But in prayer to hand every situation over to you your hands are so big you're so great and sometimes our problems can seem enormous but nothing there is nothing that you can't do just thank him now with him in your life and his word nothing is impossible nothing is impossible for you lord And I'm sorry that I've allowed the storms of life to come on the inside. To be worried about, thinking continually over what to do. To fear a future or facing a situation. When actually, Lord, I can entrust my whole life into your care afresh today. Just hand, like a whole package of your life, just hand it over to him. Because he cares for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaith.com.
sw.com.